0: Welcome to episode 26 of the So Video Games Podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we are playing it, we will be talking about it today. We are recording on April 2nd, 2017. My name, Brad Galloway, editor at GameCritics.com and 50% of this here show. With me, as always, is Corey Motley, staff writer at Game Critics. Corey, how's it going? I am doing well, Brad. We are recording on a Sunday night for the first time in like a month or something now. Yeah, I was going to make note of that, but I figured "Ah, I'm not going to make a big deal out of it. (laughs) It feels weird to be back on our regular recording day.
1: Yeah, but uh, it is what it is. I finally feel like I'm a little bit settled in New Orleans now. And I know you've had all your foster check-ins and all that stuff going on. So uh, has that settled down any for you?
0: Yeah, we're actually done with everything. All we need to do now is wait for uh, the final paperwork to be done. And that's done back at foster care headquarters, which is, I guess, right next to the North Pole next to Santa's workshop or something. Um, So they're going to send a word when they're ready to go. And then it'll be it'll be on. So all we got to do is wait right now. Hurry up and wait. So yeah, it's going good, man. What have you been up to down in there in New Orleans? Uh, not much. Honestly, um, I haven't really
1: done a whole lot over the week. It seems like every day there's something new going on with like, like that house that we're renting. Like, I think I mentioned before that Patrick and I are renting, like, it's kind of like a duplex here sort of. Um, and you know, I had complained a while back about how it took like a week for us to get the gas turned on and everything. Well, we had, um, a bunch of movers come and take the furniture, and we had to have that. We have a this giant ass IKEA wardrobe in the bedroom, and we had to have people come out like four separate times to assemble the wardrobe. And we had a maintenance guy out last week fixing a bunch of stuff, and like something is the refrigerator is like dripping condensation all over the inside. And uh, so I feel like every like three days we have like either a repairman or a furniture builder or somebody in the apartment, and I just have to like awkwardly sit around while they do like whatever crap they're doing to the apartment and uh and move on dude this
0: sounds like the perfect setup for like some kind of a weird like like a cheapy porn oh, Did that happened any of those repairmen show up and they're like you know they're like naked out of their overalls or something or they kind of you know you're like, oh, go over there and fix that thing, and I'll watch you. Did that happen? Uh, no. First
1: of all, no, that did not happen. And second of all, all <laughs> the repair dudes that come over are like old and gross, and I am not <laughs> not interested in that at all. Um, am Damn, I, yeah. that seemed like a perfect setup going to waste. I know. I mean, it might be a different story if there were like hot dude repair guys coming over, but it's definitely like not hot dude repair guys. Like the the guys who came over to put the wardrobe to finish putting the wardrobe together. Um, they, it was like this kind of older guy and his son who's like college age. And they're like, they do like a furniture restoration kind of thing. Um, like I guess on the side or that's his like business or something. And, uh, and he comes in the house and he's like, Oh, do you have any, uh, any like instructions for this wardrobe? Cause that would make it a lot easier for us. And I was like, Oh, well, uh, I don't think I have any printed out, but I can get on the computer and I can try to find the PDFs on Ikea's website. And the repair guy looks to me and says, What is a PDF? <laughs> wow. Yeah. Did he arrive at your house on a swamp boat or something? Uh no, uh, fortunately. He was in a van, but uh I mean he he was like knowledgeable <laughs> and everything about putting this stuff together, more or less, but I I don't know. He was just one of those like I guess like boomer generation, kind of like older guys who like Uh, willingly admitted to, like, not knowing anything about technology the whole time he was here, but, like, didn't want to make any sort of effort to know anything, so he, like, brought his son along for everything that he did because his son, like knows how to scroll on a computer screen and like (laughs) uh, yeah so every time like I was like oh well here's the instructions I have them you know on these few tabs in the computer like the the older guy like wouldn't even look at the computer like he like made his son do everything and I mean like that's fine because I know whenever I'm his age like there's going to be stuff that you know 20 year olds are going to know about that I'm not going to know about but it's like there's a difference between like making an effort to learn something and just like not, and just being like, oh, well, I don't get it. And like that being the end of it, like, I mean, he, if his son like knows how to use computers, the least he could do is like, I don't know, try to help him learn a little bit or something. I don't
0: know. Yeah. Well, it's funny you say that about the older generation, because oddly enough, I had a very similar experience, not exactly the same, but similar. Uh, My in-laws who are older and they live down in Palm Springs, They're kind of off doing their own thing in their, you know, golden years, if you want to call it that. Um, They, you know, they want to spend more time with the family and they want to be connected. But then again, they bought a fucking house in Palm Springs. So it's like, (laughs) you know, clearly not your priority, right? You could have moved to Seattle. You could have moved to Portland. You could have been closer. Anyway, they've got that grandparent guilt going on where it's like they're too fucking far away to visit. And we're not going to go down and visit because it costs a fortune to go to Palm Springs. And I don't want to take time off of work, you know, whatever. It's like, you know, I'm not going to put my life on hold for that. So... They, they shocked the hell out of me. They shocked the hell out of me because they called us up one day and they're like, yeah, we bought a PS4 and we want to get online and play Minecraft with your son. And I'm like, "What?" that was, I did not see that coming at all. Um, But kudos to them for taking that step. I mean, I think they are kind of those folks. They're maybe not as hardcore as this dude you're describing, who's like anti-technology, but they're definitely like, yeah, we'll do email. And then if anything other than email comes up, we don't know what to do, but at least they know email, right? They got one, <laughs> one foot into it. So anyway, they buy the PS4. This is like six months ago, right? So like they get it and I'm like, all right, well, you know, hook it up. And like, when you guys are ready to go, let me know. And then we'll, we'll, we'll do it. So it takes them six months to get it hooked up, <laughs> whatever. I mean, you know, they got to get like the cable and they got to get, you know, how does this work and where does it go and what TV does it go to? And what is, what is PSN and how does that work? And so, you know, we, we've been kind of touching base on it every now and then finally get it hooked up, finally get it going. Everything's good. And then, uh, grandma calls up and she's like, yeah, tonight or no, this morning, this morning it's on, we're doing Minecraft today. Let's go. And I'm like, okay, this is it big day. And it was a little bit of a struggle. Um, what I had, what I did was like, I had her get on Skype and she turned her laptop around so that I was looking at her <laughs> screen, Right. Yeah. And so like whatever she was doing, she's like, what do I do? What do I do? And I'm like, I mean, I mean, I got to be honest. I was kind of hoping they would go through the tutorials and kind of get acclimated like before we started playing so that they would have a little bit of base knowledge. But that didn't really happen. She was doing the tutorial like five minutes before she called us up. So it was like the first time she'd ever cracked Minecraft. And, you know, it's not the most complicated game in the world. But if you've never played games before, um, I think it's really, really complicated. And this was a perfect example. So we get on. It takes us, like, 20 minutes to walk her through the friend request thing to, like, get her and my son in the same game. Finally get that going. We're together. She's really excited. Like, my son, his little avatar is in the world, and he's, like, a red panda or something, and she's just, like, regular Steve or something. And they start, you know, she's like, oh, hey, it's you. What's going on? Hey. And then my son is just, like, he, like, built, like, a castle and a half in the time it took her to realize that, like, he was next to her. And I'm like, oh, my God, okay, this is really basic stuff, so she's she, he's like, yeah, grandma, come follow me. And so he just like takes off. And he's like flying in creative mode. She doesn't know anything about it. She doesn't know like how to move. And she's like, where'd you go? Where'd you go? And I'm looking at her screen and she's looking at the ground. And I'm like, grandma, you got to uh, right, right stick, right stick. No, the other right stick. Okay, no, <laughs> hold up your controller. Put your hands on it. Okay, that one, your right thumb, that one. And then look up. And then she's like, okay. And I'm like, left stick, move forward. Push forward. Okay. Up, up. I mean, up, go forward. No. Okay. All right. Hold on. And like, it was like that for like an hour, but I got, I don't mean to make fun of her because I got to give her credit. Even though she had like, like that level of familiarity with the games, she hung in there. She was laughing. She was having a good time. And by the end of the session, they had built a couple of houses together and she had really gotten the hang of like digging out a little pit and like filling it with the blocks that she wanted to fill it with and putting a door where she wanted it to go. So, I mean, that was like, a 10,000% um, improvement over her Minecraft knowledge from when she started this morning. And it wasn't easy. I mean, she was having difficulty moving and looking at the same time. So I, I got to give her props for doing that. And it was really fun. Good times. And, uh, you know, I think it would have been better if they had just moved up here so we could visit them and they probably would skip this whole Minecraft thing. But it's it's cool that they did that that step, you know, like, I mean, that must not have been easy. So if they bought a house
1: in Palm Springs, is this like loaded in-laws that have like a ton of money?
0: No, 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 they had no. It was like a relative died and that relative was already living in Palm Springs. And so like they when she died, like the money rolled over and there was like a little bit of money left over. And so they just got like a slightly bigger place in Palm Springs. Like it was a very modest like trade up. But no, no one's rich, unfortunately. And if they were, honestly, I think they would spend the inheritance before we would get any of it. So <laughs> I'm not holding my breath.
1: Well, that's uh, that's cool that they tried it though. That kind of reminds me a little bit of my mom. My mom, whenever the GameCube was out, she played Animal Crossing all the time. And she didn't like, my mom has never really been into video games and she never, I mean, never really played anything. But for some reason, whenever I got Animal Crossing on the GameCube, she just like totally took to it. And I think she ended up buying her own GameCube in the house and would just like have it hooked up to the big TV downstairs. And she loved like picking weeds and gardening and fishing and like, you know, putting and decorating her house and buying stuff at at Tom Nook's shop. And I just thought it was so funny because my mom had never really been into video games. And suddenly, like, she was like a professional at at animal crossing and had like this, like the hardback, like strategy guide, like on the coffee table and everything and like would play it all the time. And it just, I don't know. It just really amused me. I I loved whenever she was in uh, animal crossing. It was so funny.
0: Oh, that's awesome. It's, it's so cool when non gamers just like randomly click with something and then they, they usually end up diving headfirst into it. But then once they're done, like they're done, like has she played anything since animal crossing? Uh, I don't think so. Every once in a while, I consider
1: that, if I like had a little, like if I ever got a cool job and had like a little bit of money on the side, I would buy her like a 3DS or something and get her like the 3DS and then the Animal Crossing, you know, whichever Animal Crossing is on the Nintendo DS or the 3DS and just like give her that for like her birthday or for Christmas or something. Um, but unfortunately I don't have that much throwaway money around to just like, you know, spend a few hundred on a on a Nintendo DS or 3DS and buy the game and stuff. And plus I don't even know if she would play it if she had it. Um, She does, like, iPad games every once in a while, but as far as, like, console games are concerned, it was, like, Animal Crossing, and then that was it.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, Animal Crossing is basically, like, the console version of an iPad game anyway, so that kind of makes sense. I mean, it's really super approachable and easy and safe, and there's no penalties or anything, and, you know, the worst thing that happens is, like, Mr. Resetti yells at you if you forget to fucking (laughs) save or whatever, so it's pretty low stakes, Not 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 a big deal, so... Anyway, um, before we wrap up this, this opening segment here, uh, I just want to give a quick shout out to Jeremiah Bratton of the Game Bar Podcast. I uh, had dinner with that dude yesterday. He's a real cool guy. Uh, we went to this really fun dessert place, which had like different flavors of shaved ice with different toppings. I've, I've had shaved ice many times, but I've never had it where the ice had flavors in it. So they had like like eight or ten different flavors, and then they would shave that ice, and then it would come out, and it was like snow. like It was like really like soft, soft snow. Not at all like a snow cone. Like, it was really, really soft and had, like, some mochi and some toppings. And I think my, uh, my wife had some azuki beans and all sorts of stuff. Really Asian-oriented dessert, but it was really good. But it was good to connect with Jeremiah again. He's good people. And I want to give a shout-out to his show, The Game Bar Podcast. It's one of my personal favorite podcasts. And, uh, you know, if you want to listen to some really smart games discussion with um, more than a little bit of sass, uh, I enjoy both <laughs> of those things. Uh, check it out. Definitely a good show. Uh, for sure. So um, people listening to this episode may notice that we are off script a little bit. We usually get the ball rolling with our traditional few minutes of unnecessary banter that's not necessarily game related. And we kind of have done that, uh, but not in official in an official capacity. This week, we actually have a fair amount of movie talk to share. And instead of doing that up front, we were going to like save that for the end because we will probably dip into some spoilers. Uh, heads up, we will be talking about Ghost in the Shell. We will be talking about Get Out. Uh, We will be talking about Yoga Hosers, and we will be talking about Deathgasm. So we're going to save all that for the end. And now that we've done a little bit of warm up, we're going to just jump right into the games talk. And then uh, we will give a big spoiler warning before we get to those movies. That'll be your chance to bail if you don't want to hear that. Otherwise, you're going to you're going to get the entire rest of the show that's game related. Sound good to you, Corey? Sounds good. And also, uh, if you're listening to this, I will put
1: in the show notes the timestamps for when we start talking about the movie stuff in case you don't want to get spoiled.
0: Uh, the the timestamp will be there too. Right on. Right on. Sounds good. So let's not waste any more, more time. Let's get right into things here. Corey, why don't you lead us off this week? And I believe that you have been playing a little bit of the game that you mentioned last week, Fragments of Him. Is that right, sir? That is correct. And before I get started in talking about Fragments of Him, I um,
1: I would like to tell the small anecdote about the developers finding us on Twitter. Or do you want to talk about this, Brad? Because I thought it was no, really No, no, go ahead.
0: <laughs> go ahead.
1: Well, so uh, if you listen to the last show, you know that uh, we were. Ta- I was talking about how I wanted to start playing Fragments of Him, and I had downloaded it. Um, had not started playing it yet. But I-, I went on this mini rant about how video game developers' websites are usually not super well put together, and especially for any developers, because there's usually a A lot less people working on the games and there's a lot more pressure to you know work on the games themselves that usually the press kit tabs if the website has one at all because a lot of uh, developers websites don't even have press kits but a press kit in case you don't know is like a tab on the website that basically has all of the very basic factual information for a game it has the name of the game the name of the developer or developers the name of the publisher or publishers release dates for every system um like, announcement trailers and just, like, all that kind of stuff. So you can just look at it. It's, like, a one-stop shop for all, like, the basic factual information. I complained about how their, fact, their uh, factual information uh, press kit was outdated, that it said that the Xbox One copy wasn't out yet, but it was out. And also Wikipedia, even though they don't have anything to do with Wikipedia, the Wikipedia release dates for the games are wrong, too. And we posted the show uh, last week. And keep in mind, we did not like I didn't tag the developers I didn't tag like hashtag anything we just write the names of some of the games we talk about whenever we tweet the tweet the episodes and then developers saw saw the tweet I believe they listened to the show because they were like uh, privy to the content we talked about in the show. And so they tweeted the show back and they were like, oh, we're so sorry. Our press kit is outdated. Like, we, there's only two of us working on the game. You know, that's just something that slipped our minds. And so uh, they like went out of their way to update their press kit and then like tweet us to let us know that they had updated it. And
0: I just thought that was so funny. That is the power, the raw power of the So Video Games podcast. We are enacting change. <laughs> all across the internet. Although, you know, I, can, I gotta say I'm surprised, but I'm actually kind of not surprised because my experience with Twitter has been, if you start talking about a game, uh, especially if you're talking shit about a game, <laughs> sometimes if you're talking good, but especially if you're talking shit about a game, it is guaranteed that person will know. Like, it doesn't matter. You could tweet it like one time at two o'clock in the morning and you think nobody's paying attention, nobody's reading it guaranteed that person will find out and they will probably come back and let you know it has happened to me more times than i can even remember but like it just it (laughs) never fails so i'm kind of surprised that they caught it but at the same time not really super surprised so yeah twitter has a way of getting around which is one of the great things about it a lot of you know some downsides but overall i think it's pretty cool and shit like that happens so anyway fragments of him Corey. what what up what up with him why is he in fragments what happened is he go? is he okay (laughs)
1: Uh, he's actually not okay at all. So the game Fragments of Him, it's developed by a company called SassyBot, and it's, there's two main developers for the game, and then I think they brought a third guy in to write the story for it, if I'm not mistaken, and I'm sure if I am mistaken, the developers are probably going to listen to this and tweet us and let us know. So uh... They are going to
0: let us know <laughs> like 15 minutes after the show
1: is posted. Yeah, so I apologize, SassyBot, if I get any of this information wrong, but um, as far as I know, it's like two programmers, and then they brought a guy in to do the story work on it. Uh, The game is about uh, two. It centers around one guy named Will, and he's a. It's a Britain based game or UK or whatever. I don't know exactly where it is. Um, So they all have, you know, British accents and all that stuff. But it's a guy named Will who is like, I don't know, he's like late 20s or so. He dies toward the beginning of the game. And this is not really a spoiler because it happens like 30 minutes in. Um, He. He passes away, and the game is like a first... It's kind of like an omniscient, first-person, narrative-heavy, almost point-and-click game about his death and then three people who have shared a lot of time and relationship with him and sort of like what they did during his adolescence and how they met him and sort of what they were doing whenever he died and how they remember him. So it's like a story about you know about like love and loss and redemption and you know all the other adjectives that you throw in there about any like heartbreaking story but the thing that i really interested me in it was the fact that uh will is bisexual in the game and instead of the punchline of the game being that he's bisexual um i mean there really is no punchline for the game i guess like remembering him as the punchline but uh uh, he, That's a sad punchline, dude. That doesn't sound funny at all. Yeah, I mean it's not funny, but uh, or I guess twist or whatever you will, because there are some games out there and some movies where it's like, oh, the twist is that this person's gay. But this game actually like explores the the depths of because he has a relationship with a woman for part of the game, and then whenever he dies, he's in a relationship with a man named Harry. And he wakes up. William wakes up in the morning, and he's sort of like in one of those quarter life crises about you know, am I happy? Is Harry happy? You know, kind of what are we doing together? Maybe we should get married. Maybe we should have kids. Like, maybe we should really commit and all this stuff. And, you know, I need to let Harry know later today that, that, um, you know, he's the person that I want to spend my life with. And even though I don't seem happy all the time, I actually am happy with him. That's sort of like Will's thought process. Well, it gets sad pretty quick because after Will starts having that thought process, he drives his car to work and then he dies in a car accident on the way to work. Which is uh, it's not great, but um, the game then rewinds and backs up to his ex girlfriend in college, and you kind of play, and she talks about, you know, she just like remembers the stuff that's going on with him, and then part of it is with his grandmother, and she kind of does the same stuff, talking about uh, raising him. She didn't raise him, but um, she was just there a lot during his childhood, and about uh, you know, her relationship with him whenever he was in college, and I, I want to talk about the gameplay for a minute here because it's very um. It's like the whole game, almost the whole game is in grayscale, which is cool because it has like a distinct visual look. It has a style and the characters kind of looked like mannequins. Like they're, they have full body forms, but they don't have eyes. They don't really have like a whole lot of facial features going on. They have like a nose and like a little like mouth slit kind of thing. Um, but it's, it's very like kind of simplistically designed, which I'm okay with because again, it has a style, um, I didn't have anything wrong with the, the way the game looks. It's actually a, a very charming looking game. And but you you sort of like when I say you're playing as these people, you're not actually playing as them. You are in a first person camera angle, but you're walking around them and kind of um observing what they do and how they act and they'll like say a few lines of dialogue and then usually there's something around the atmosphere that you can click on it might be that person themselves and then they will sort of like disintegrate and then reform down the line and you kind of like click them through the path that they're walking on or sometimes you will click items in the room like picture frames or chairs or maybe even other people and that stuff will uh will like pop up in the world like you'll kind of bring it to life as if you're filling out those details in the person's mind that you're sort Mm -hmm. that you're focused on at the moment and usually they will talk about the stuff in the room as you bring it to life or they will talk about themselves and their relationships with will as you sort of move them around the environment um so it's, it's, in a sense, it's kind of unlike anything I've played before because I've never played a game that's really paced that way or that's kind of like that point and clicky in like an omniscient sense. Um, and the game, I mean, it's not amazing and it's not bad. It's a fine game. It's pretty good. Um, but uh, I don't know, before I dive in, do you have any questions or anything so far, Brad?
0: No, I mean it sounds fine. It sounds like one of those. Um, I mean, it sounds like something that's going to live and die based on the quality of its writing. And you've kind of given us a brief synopsis. Um, I'm not really interested in more details, but I do want to know, like, how was the writing? Like, did it did it touch you? Did it move you? Did you feel like it carried you through, or were you, you know, disaffected? Or like, talk about like talk about that. Well,
1: I'm glad you asked because the writing actually, I mean, it's fine. It kind of goes back and forth between being like pretty good to just like like, okay. I mean, it's never, like, bad or terrible. Um, but it also, like, I didn't, like, cry or anything. But there's a few scenes in particular that actually were uh, were kind of troubling to me. And by troubling, I mean, like, like emotionally, um, like, draining for me. Like, there's a sequence where, because um, his grandmother is very kind of, like, stuck in her ways, um, is very conservative and will, uh, you know, being a bisexual, you know, 20 year old man is, is very uh, liberal and she kind of like, doesn't really get along with his views. And there there's, so there's like a scene with her and him in college that was really interesting and I'm not going to spoil it, but it was actually pretty well done. And I found myself disliking his grandmother, which is a good thing because sometimes when you're watching a movie and you're, or you're playing a game and you start disliking a character, you're not disliking the game, but I realize, like, wow, this character is actually pretty well fleshed out because I actually don't really like her. And I mean, if you have an emotional reaction to a character, whether it be good or bad, I mean, that usually says something about the quality of, you know, the world building and the writing. And there's another for sure. For sure.
0: Yeah. Um, let me ask you, though. Let me ask. So I, I'm curious. You say that he I mean, I'm assuming he's out by the time his grandmother's talking to him. Is his coming out part of the game or is he just like out and it's just, you know, like, um, you know, in that sense, he's just dealing with people who already know who he is.
1: Well, actually, I'm not actually sure if the game answers that question because whenever he starts dating, I think her name is Sarah, his ex-girlfriend in the game. Um, like, I, I think that, I don't know. Like, the game never establishes, like, there's never, like, a coming out scene or anything like that. But it's like, he's dating her and then Harry as another friend of theirs. And she's sort of, like, sees that they're getting along really well and I think maybe he had already been established as bisexual at that point but that's never really like a hard plot point which is interesting because it should have been because that would have given a better reason for the grandmother to be sort of like cross with him. Because she's sort of like, there's a part in the game where she just sort of like decides that he and her don't really see eye to eye on things. But the situation surrounding it is incredibly weak, in my opinion, and it never really like gets down to the point of it. And this is also a separate scene from the good scene later on in the game.
0: Um, oh, OK. Well, well, I guess overall, I'm really interested in stuff like this. I think there's a lot of space um, in games to, for this type of material to be explored. And I think we definitely need more of it. Uh, especially, uh, are you playing it on Steam or are you playing this on? Uh, I'm playing
1: it on Xbox One. It's out on PC and Xbox One, and I believe they're working on the PlayStation 4 version
0: right now. Okay, so we definitely need more of this kind of stuff in the console space. I mean, overall, do you feel like it was a well-done take? I mean, did you feel like it did the material justice, or did you feel like they were kind of cashing in on it? Or, you know, because sometimes I've heard from um, some of my gay friends who play, you know, gay-oriented games where they feel like, oh, it's not really representative It's just more of like, you know, sexploitation or really cliche stuff trying to appeal to like lowest common denominator. I mean, did you feel like this was a good take or or like what was your what was how did it hit you? How did did it land with you? Well, I actually do think it's a pretty good take. It does not feel like
1: exploitative or anything like that. It doesn't feel like they're cashing in on like, oh, we're just going to make this character gay and, you know, make them you know, do all these gay stereotypes. It's actually a really well-done, mature take on, like, a bisexual character and how he sort of grapples with being with a woman for a while and then sort of moving on to being with a man. But I like it because that's not necessarily the point of the game. I mean, obviously, his relationship with Sarah and his relationship with Harry are both, like, explored quite a bit in the game. But it's not, like, the point of it, which I like because I'm all for, like you know, having gay characters in movies or TV shows or games where their gayness is not the point of, you know, the, the medium at hand. It just is like a, like, you know, the fries on the side of what's going on. (laughs) So it doesn't feel like, yeah, it never feels like they're exploiting it, but I do like it because I feel like, I mean, it kind of goes without saying that we don't have enough gay characters in video games. So for a game like this to really root itself in like, you know, sexual orientation, minority, and sort of explore that a little bit. I think is a good thing, um, but it totally does not feel like they're exploiting it in any way, in my opinion.
0: Excellent, excellent. Well, it sounds like something really worth checking into. Would you recommend it uh, to folks? You think it's a thumbs up? I would. Uh, I would
1: hesitantly recommend it because it is a little bit monotonous and it's a little bit boring and it's paced pretty slowly. I mean, the whole game is basically just looking around an environment clicking on something listening to the person say something and you just repeat that like you know i don't know 400 times and then that's it and i don't think the writing is as good as it could be um but mm. part of that is my fault too because like i i'm probably like the least sentimental person in the world and so there's some uh, there's some writing in the game where it's like you know after will dies harry is like oh like uh, you know, I wish he were here to hold me. I miss his arms and stuff like that. Just like, I'm just like, ugh, gross. Like, ugh, like I don't, I don't like that sort (laughs) of like really cheesy sort of like teenage, like love writing. You know what I mean? Um, You were such a, you were such a dude sometimes, Corey. I I know, (laughs) I know. And like, I mean, I'm sure there was a time in my life where I was interested in that. But I mean, like the older I get, the less like sentimental and emotional I get. So it's partly my fault. But I mean, if you're into like, having a guy like talk about like oh I wish I were in his arms like that just like I don't know like (laughs) gives me the creeps but but I guess it's like sweet and everything but I just don't really like it's kind of like when people kiss in public like I hate PDA like I I think it's gross I don't care if it's a man and a woman or two men or whatever like anytime people kiss in public I pretty much say the word ooh like out loud anytime because I just think it's gross and, uh, and it's the sort of how I feel about the writing. So it's not really the writing's fault. It's sort of like my fault. Cause I'm like, I don't know, like a robot or something, but I don't know. It's just kind of cheesy sometimes, I guess is the best way I can describe it, but it's not all cheesy. It's mature with like sprinkles of cheesiness around, if you will.
0: Cheese garnish. All right. Well, that sounds good. That sounds good. Um, I don't know if, it's exactly my thing, because I'm really kind of staying away from slower-paced games right now, but I do support the idea of this being out there, especially on console. That sounds really cool. Um, if Maybe if I see it on sale or something, I will snag it, and I will check into it at some point. I am still a big softie, so maybe that writing would have some impact on me. I do find myself becoming actually more emotional as I get older, so maybe we're on like slightly different uh, tracks at the moment, but yeah, I, I still you know, I watch a good TV commercial and I fucking like tear up and I'm like, oh God, <laughs> that was so sad. So maybe I've got a little more estrogen uh, flowing through my veins than you do, but uh, we'll see. Anyway, it sounds interesting. I'm glad that it's out and thank you very much for covering it. Excellent choice. Um, let's move on really quick. I want to talk about Snake Pass. Speaking of which gay is...
1: video games, let's move on to Snake yeah. Pass.
0: <laughs> <laughs> let's move on to Snake Pass. Yes, yes, yes. Much innuendo can happen here. I'm going to try my best to stay away from it, but we'll see what happens. This is a brand new game uh, come, coming from Sumo Digital, and it's out on... Ooh, I, no, it's not out on Wii U. The Wii U is not really a thing anymore. It's out on the Switch. <laughs> Sorry, my autopilot kind of kicked in there, and I was, I was going to say Wii U, but no, it's on the Switch. It's on PS4. It's also on Xbox One. I don't know about PC. I would imagine so. Uh, This is one I've been looking forward to for a while because I gotta say I'm kind of burning out on certain genres and it feels like a really long time since we've had a really good just bright, colorful, fun, platformy kind of thing. You know, it just just feels like I've been playing a lot of games where there's not a lot of fun in them lately. You know, like there's no lighthearted, no goofy. I mean, maybe I'm playing the wrong games, but I just I feel like I want that right now. And Snake Pass that very much looks like what I wanted. It's you, you take the role of a snake and you're in these like kind of really abstract tropical themed levels. And the point of it is that you have to move around. I mean, you're a snake, so you can't jump and you don't have arms and you don't have any like special power-ups or anything. You're just a snake kind of making your way through these levels, collecting items and whatnot. And when I watched the video, I was like, oh my God, this looks so bright and so colorful. And the snake is so cartoony and it looks just like really low impact and fun. And I really want to play that so bad. So I got it last week and I got about halfway through and I, uh, man, I, I, I hate it. Oh, I kind of no. hate it. I know. I know. It's bumming me the fuck out, dude, because I keep playing these games where I got to break this bad streak. I'm on this really streak of games where I just, I just don't like them and I got to play something that's really good. Um, Well, that's not true. I did play Deadlight, which was really good. But I mean, I played a lot of games lately that I don't like. And this is one more. And it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart. And I will tell you why. So this game, very visually, it looks a lot like, I don't know, like a Mario 64 or like a Banjo-Kazooie or a Crash Bandicoot or something like that. Very colorful, very bright. The first couple levels are really fun. Like you push one button to move the snake forward. And if you want to move even faster, you have to slither him side to side, just like the (laughs) way that a real snake moves. It's kind of cute, like it's kind of cute. Uh, you can push one button to raise his head up, which will kind of lift him off the ground and give him like a little bit of a leverage to climb up onto things. And in the couple first couple levels, you're just you know you're just snaking around, like it's pretty fun. You have a little buddy who's a hummingbird, and he'll give you clues about where to go and what to do. It's it's really very cute, very colorful, cartoony. I dig it. But what happens is after the first four or five levels, it is revealed that this is not really a fun game for people who want to chill out or for kids. This is a very technical, physics-based, like, really hard, challenging game where the point of the fucking game is not to have fun in a cartoon world. It is to, like, perfect the control of this snake by putting him in all these situations where, in in nature, a snake would never be. Like, it makes perfect sense that if I'm controlling a snake, of course I'm going to have him go up a bamboo ladder. Of course I'm going to have him go across a pole over this giant you know, giant gaping chasm. Of course, I'm going to have them do these really high wire things where they require moving parts and rotating gears and all these really, really high, intense, stressful things that a snake in normal life would never be able to do. Of (laughs) course, that's what I'm going to do with this game. What else would you do with it? So I got really fucking, I mean, I mean, when I hit the first difficulty spike, it was like level six. And there's only, people have told me there's only 15 levels. So at first I'm like, oh, this sounds really quick. I'm going to blow through it. Yeah, no, 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 no. I got to level six and I got to this one part where there was like this bridge made of these bamboo sticks and it was like way above the ground and you had to climb up this like ladder thing and you had to snake, spiral your snake around the ladder and there's a button to grip. So you got to like grip and then move forward and then hold your head up and then grip and then move forward and hold your head up. And I'm trying to get up this ladder and I kept fucking falling <laughs> off of it all the way down to the ground into some water. Got to crawl my way back up this fucking thing and then get back on the bridge. And I would fall and fall and fall and fall. Dude, I was I was losing my shit. Like I was so upset. Like my son came over from across the room. He's like, Dad, you look like you need a hug. Aww. I'm like, I'm like. I was going to say, I'm going to fucking kill the fucking (laughs) Kamathra. But I'm like, you know, yes, son, I do need a hug. Thank you. I'm going to turn this fucking thing off and I'm just going to get a hug and I'm going to chill the fuck out because I'm getting ragey. And I just, it's a shame. It's really a shame because it seems like they had a good idea, but it's one of those things where the developers had a very different idea about what they wanted to make as opposed to what the game looks like, as opposed to what I wanted from it. So I fully admit that like my expectations were my own thing. I take responsibility for that. But I do think it, the way that it looks, the visual style of this game very much suggests a different kind of thing than what it actually is. So I feel like there's a bit of a bait and switch going on. And I have to really seriously question the developer's mentality in wanting to make a game where like controlling, like having absolute mastery of the snake is the entire point of the game, like technical mastery. Like how, how difficult is this? Is like I was controlling it. I had one button on the move forward, one button on the lift up the snake. I had one button on the or one button on the grip. And I'm holding all these. And at the same time, I'm holding the, 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 the controller with the the, uh, the stick, right? And, I, and the camera sucks. So, like, I can't see where I need to go. I literally had to call my son over and say, like, son, can you please rotate the camera for me? Because I can't take my fingers <laughs> off these buttons. So he was sitting next to me and he was rotating the camera for me because I couldn't see where the fuck I was going. And if I tried to adjust the camera, I would be moving my finger off of one of the buttons and then I would fucking fall. And it's like, dude, like no, 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 no. This is wrong. I don't like this. This is not good. I don't, I mean, if they wanted to make that fine, and I think they're wrongheaded for doing it because it's so cute and and so bright and colorful, it seems like it should be more fun than it is, but it's not fun. It's really, really hard. And I'm not afraid of hard games, but like this kind of technical mastery, not really what I'm into these days and not really what I was in the market for, especially right now, So I'm just like, I had to put it down. I got a couple levels past levels. I think I stopped at like level eight or nine. And I was like, I'm done. I'm done with this. I'm tired of fucking crawling this goddamn snake up these ladders that are spinning that have these rotating things on them. And I got to jump from one thing to the other. And I keep fucking falling off this thing. And it's like, it's not fun. It is just not fun. And so I just, I don't need the stress in my life. And I'm really, really sad that I didn't like snake pass. I really wanted to like it. Liked it for the first couple levels, but I'm fucking done. I am done with Snake Pass. And I don't recommend it to anybody unless you really want this kind of, like, really technical physics-based control challenge. I Not what I want at all. At all. Corey, is this something that you want? Uh, this sounds awful,
1: first of all. And second of all, it sounds like if Grow Home and Super Meat Boy had a baby, that's what this game sounds like.
0: Except, I mean... S- no, uh, no, no. I mean, sort of. I mean, it's like it's like difficult to Super Meat Boy, but me, Super Meat Boy had totally dialed in controls. And so that was like what made it playable, like between the super pinpoint control and the, the ability to restart instantly. That really um, kept a lot of the frustration out of it. Like neither of those things are true in Snake Pass. Like if you fuck up, the save points are pretty far apart or like they're, they're at least too far apart for my taste anyway where I would fall and I'd have to like repeat a section. And like, that was making me crazy. And the controls, I don't think are really dialed in. I was talking to a friend um, who was also playing this game and his feeling was that he felt it was too random. Like he said he couldn't get predictable results when he would try to do like a bridge. Like sometimes he would sail across it. Sometimes he would fall right down. He couldn't get a mental handle on like why it was doing what it was doing. I mean, maybe there's a lot of physics stuff going on under the hood that we just couldn't grok. But I just was like, man no, 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 no. Like why, why make such this cute little thing and then make it so evil? Like very, very, very disappointing. So I'm going to chalk this one up to another bad game for me this year, or at least another game that I didn't like. I mean, I guess I shouldn't say it's a bad game, but something that did not click with me this year. And I'm, I'm tired of that. I want, I want some good games. I want some good stuff, but yeah, snake pass, not, not fun, not fun. Um, do you think you're this... gonna even try or not at all no at I, would all.
1: Never pl- I would never play this game but this sounds like the kind of game that you should uh, give to Mike Susky because he's one of those people who like he like let me think about how to word this in a way to piss him off the most if he listens to this show um, Mike Susky is one of those people who like who like needs to brag about how good he is at hard games so he can feel like a good boy and I feel like this is the kind of game that he would need to play I think so that he can get on Twitter and be like oh this game's so hard oh but I beat it because that's what he does with fucking Dark Souls all the goddamn time and it's so annoying every time he tweets about Dark Souls I would just want to tweet him back and be like Mike we get it the game's really hard and you're good at it congratulations now stop tweeting about it (laughs)
0: Well, I know he does listen to the show, so I'm sure he'll be tweeting. He'll be tweeting afterwards. Afterwards, we should probably change topics before we get into too much trouble. Love you, Mike. Good guy. Mike's great. Thumbs up for Mike. Corey, talk to me. Talk to me really quickly about a demo you played. It's called Dex. What is up with Dex? What is Dex? It is called Dex. Um, first
1: of all, like, where have demos gone? Do you remember in the Xbox 360 and the PlayStation 3? console cycle where, like, fucking every game that came out had a demo on either the Xbox Live Arcade or, like, the, the PSN. Like, every fucking game had a demo. And as soon as we hit the the console cycle of the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One,
0: there are, like, no fucking demos ever anymore. Do you remember that, Brad? Oh, yeah. I mean, it was actually required by the 360 Marketplace. Like, you couldn't put your game up unless you had a demo. So that was really cool. I really appreciated, like, the try before you buy and PSN or the, you know, the PS3 at the time, they were they were not as advanced as Xbox was at that time. They were playing catch up. And so it took them a while, but they eventually started getting quite a bit of demos, which is really cool. And I agree. I love demos. I think in today's marketplace where you cannot return electronic games and you buy something and you're just stuck with it forever, I think a demo is more than reasonable. I think you want to give people a chance to play your game before you sell it to them. And I, I wish that there were more. I mean, there's a few. On uh, PSN, there's not many. There's certainly not one per game. I mean, I think if you go into the demo section, there's a scattering of demos. I'm not sure what's up with the Xbox One store. Have you checked it lately for demos? Well, it's funny that you ask that because that's actually how I found
1: the Dex demo. I think they're probably about, I don't know, Xbox One might have more demos, but I didn't like dive into all the pages. But uh, yeah, I mean, overall, there's just not that many demos anymore.
0: Yeah. I mean, again, it's extra work and maybe some teams, you know, don't want to put out the effort or maybe they don't have, it's not cost effective for them or something like that. But I mean, from a consumer standpoint, I feel like it's, I mean, I really wish they would because it just sucks to buy something that you think is going to be good. You can watch a Let's Play, you can watch YouTube videos, you watch trailers, you can talk to people, but you never know if it's your jam until you play it. And, you know, I just, I just don't think it's fair that once you buy something, you're stuck with it forever. So demos would be great, but Anyway, that's maybe a different discussion for another day. What's up with Dex? You found this in the Xbox One library of demos and I did and then I immediately turned off the Xbox and downloaded the demo on the PlayStation 4
1: instead but that's beside the uh, point. Uh, <laughs> burn burn <laughs> fucking
0: burn Microsoft but uh
1: Dex okay so Dex has been a game I haven't really known a whole lot about it but it's been like on my super duper back burner in my head because I remember you and Carlos talking about this game on the video game break podcast like a long time ago and it sounded super duper up my alley because Dex is a 2D side-scrolling kind of sort of like a shadow Complexy. like it's kind of like if you took Deus Ex maybe and like put it into like a 2D side-scroller more or less with like a female lead and the game just sounded really up my alley whenever you guys talked about it and I remember you and Carlos uh, saying that you both weren't super duper into it so I was really excited when I saw the demo for it last night because I thought, oh, cool, Like I can download it and, and try the demo so I don't have to spend $20 on it. And I played the demo for about 30 minutes earlier today, and I am glad I played the demo because
0: I do not like this game very much at all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the downside of a demo, right? Somebody doesn't like your game, you they're, you can't stick with the sale. Yeah. You lose a sale. So tell us tell us why you didn't... I know why you didn't like it, but please tell me well, for the benefit
1: of all of our listeners. It's like... I think this actually sounds a little bit kind of similar to Snake Pass for you because what this game is is not exactly what I thought it was going to be because whenever you boot it up, or at least the demo that I played, I don't know how representative it is of the final game or where it takes place in the timeline of the final game, but it starts out and you're in this like lab thing with like this kind of whiny like hacker dude and then there's a guy named decker who's sort of like helping you and i guess there's like you're in like a sci-fi futuristic world kind of like a slummy blade runner-esque city and there's like a price on your head or something and the game like the demo doesn't really get you into the story very well and uh and I thought it was going to be like Shadow Complex or maybe like uh, like Strider, where it's just sort of like uh, go through these levels and like fight dudes and shoot dudes and just sort of work your way around all these environments, because that is something I'm like 100% down for. But what the game actually is, it's like a fucking fetch quest game, like... You, you get out of the lab, and then you, like, go talk to somebody, and you have no idea who they are, and they're like, oh, I have this problem I need you to solve, and you can, like, take their quest or, like, do some dialogue options with them, and then you go up to the next person. Like, I walked up to this guy on the street and talked to him, and he's like, oh, my mom is sick. And I was like, okay. And then he's like, do you want to come up to my house and see her? And I was like, okay, I see where this is going. Like, there's going to be a quest here. And so, like, I literally walk up to him on the street. And, you know, 30 seconds later, I'm in his house, like, talking to his cancer-stricken mother who needs, like, a spleen or something. And And we're, like, discussing, like, stealing organs from some, like, clinic down the street. And I'm just, like... Dude, like, I just fucking met you. Like, I, the, the game's just not what I thought it was going to be. Like, it's not... It's very much, like, sort of like a 2D Fallout or 2D Deus Ex where, like, you, you go and you talk to a bunch of people, you do dialogue options, you take their quests, you run around, and it's, like, it's kind of hard to get around, and the combat's not very intuitive. Like, I, I dropped down into an alley at one point, and there were, like, three bad guys, and I equipped a gun for the first time because you can shoot guns and the little gun icon's in the top left corner, and it says L2 for gun, and I'm like, okay, cool, I press L2 to shoot the gun. So I press L2, she doesn't shoot the gun. I press L2 again, and I find out that L2 aims the gun. Well, by the time I have the gun aimed and I'm ready to try to shoot it, the guys on the street have already killed me. So, like, talk about the most unintuitive controls ever, and there was never, like, a pause in the screen that said, like, oh, this is how you shoot a gun, or this is how you do combat, like they taught me how to punch people, and how to do like a roll or something. But that was it. And I was just super bored playing it. And it was not interesting. And yeah, I was just not feeling it. And Brad, I know you've tried it before. So what do you think about it?
0: Yeah, unfortunately, I actually bought it. So that was kind of a bummer for me. Uh, Everything you said is correct. Uh I think that I like the style of it. I mean I like the idea of like a side-scrolly blade runner Deus Ex sort of thing. And I thought the art was kinda cool. There was um the pixel-based art I thought was pretty well done in certain aspects. So I was kinda down with it at first. But it's one of those games where like they don't really fill you in enough about certain things. Like you said, I mean they didn't teach you about the combat, they didn't teach you about um, certain aspects of control, but like you know, they kind of just tell you like, oh yeah, go get this thing. And like, you don't really know where it is. And I mean my biggest problem, the thing that made me quit it quicker than anything else was like, there's no map. And so when you're in this side-scrolling 2D environment, it's really complex and you can go into like the backgrounds. And so there's like another layer underneath it. So that's not just simple 2D. I mean, it's like 2D with layers and there's just no map. And I just didn't know where to go. And someone would be like, oh, go to the sky and find this thing. And I'd be like wandering around. Am I even in the right place? I don't even know if I'm going the right way. And I just got really frustrated because, I, I mean, one thing that I hate more than anything else in a game is blindly wandering around. Like, if somebody says, hey, go find this thing, just go find it. And they don't tell me where to go. And I don't have any clues. And I don't have any leads. I'm just supposed to, like, wander around and find it. That'll get me to quit a game almost quicker than anything, because I just feel like it's a complete fucking waste of time. Um, so i that's what happens in decks. I feel like they just don't tell you anything. And there's no map. So I didn't know where to go where I had been where I should be going and that on top of the combat which I felt like was not good because I died a lot every time I met enemies like I I felt like I lost every single battle um good idea I liked the way that it looked but there was a lot wrong with it or at least a a lot that didn't fit with me and I, I bailed really quickly and I uh we talked about it on video game break what up Carlos and after that night that we talked about it uh that was like probably last year Deleted the game, never looked back, forgot about it, don't feel bad. Yeah, it's not it's not a great experience. Yeah, I don't really have anything to add to that. I
1: just yeah, I I just want to say that I'm sure as hell glad there was a demo. I mean, I don't think I ever would have bought the game anyway. Maybe if it were on sale for like five dollars, I would have bought it. But it's one of those games that I have like never seen on sale because I've always been thinking about buying it, and it's never been on like a PSN flash sale or anything. So I never did. But I think it's like 20 bucks or something full price. And there was like not a chance in hell I was going to pay that much for it. Um, And I'm sure glad I didn't because I know now that I do not like it.
0: No, I would not recommend anybody buy it in general and certainly not for 20 bucks. No, I think I got it on sale for I think I want to say five or something like that because that was about my my buy in price. It was one of those. It might be cool, but it probably isn't. So I'm going to gamble. And if I lose five bucks, then I'm not going to be super upset about it. But yeah, I kind of wish that I had spent that five on something else. Anyway, let's talk about another demo real quick. I uh, I was a backer. I don't back very much on Kickstarter. In fact, I don't really do anything on Kickstarter anymore. But when Kickstarter was still happening, and when it was still a big thing, you know, uh, that was big for a while. And one of the games that got Kickstarted was Ukulele. Have you heard of Ukulele?
1: Yeah, it's like the spiritual successor to
0: banjo kazooie. Is that right? Exactly. So all those guys who worked at Rare, and I guess they're not there anymore, went off and founded Playtonic. And this is basically, like you said, spiritual successor to Banjo-Kazooie. So I'm hoping that most people who are listening know about Banjo-Kazooie. If not, it was a 3D platformer on the N64. There were two games. It was about a bear and a bird. They were partners and they worked together to get through these levels. Um, honestly, I think that those were kind of better than the Mario games at the time. I know that maybe that's a controversial topic, but I think that they actually were better games. I really was a big fan of them back in the day. And it sucked that Microsoft retained the rights to those when they bought Rare. And so they put out, um, God, what do they do with Banjo-Kazooie? They put out some fucking car game where it was like you had to build cars, with these parts. And it was like, you made these weird vehicles and the art was wrong. And it just, it, it was not a good game and not a good use of the license. I don't know what else they've been doing, but Banjo-Kazooie is rotting in hell somewhere, which is really sad to me. But the developers took that same idea of a two-person cooperative platformer. In this case, uh, one of them is a chameleon and their partner is a bat and they always work together. So the bat rides on the back of the chameleon And so the chameleon will, like, do a tail whip to attack and, uh, you know, run and jump like a a 3D platformer. And then when they need to, like, glide or something, like, the bat will pop up and spread its wings. And so they kind of are are like a unit. The two of them are uh, together. Uh, They, I I backed it because I'm like, I really like Banjo-Kazooie. I like these guys. I'm glad they're doing something with it. It's not exactly the same game, but it basically is the same game. So I'm down. Backed it for, what, 20 or 30 bucks back in the day. Whatever the, the threshold was to get a physical copy. And they sent me a demo code. Um, I didn't know this was even a thing. I didn't expect it. I didn't know it was coming. But they, co- they sent me the ukulele Toy Box Demo for PS4. Just showed up in my mailbox out of the blue. So I wasn't even sure what it was at first. And then I downloaded it. And I'm like, oh, it's like a totally like a playable demo. Sweet. So you get to uh, just have this little vertical slice of the game. You have these characters. You're in a very small self-contained world. And you just run around, and it's basically just showing you what you're in for. Like they get you acclimated with the jumping and the running and the gliding and um, all these different uh, things you're going to be doing. Going to be collecting a lot of stuff. You're going to be just hopping and bopping as as you do in a three D platformer. I gotta say, um, did you did you ever play Banjo Kazooie, Corey? I did not. Okay, well, ukulele is Banjo Kazooie as fuck. This is it is it is basically Banjo Kazooie. Like that's what it is. I mean, the graphics look the same. The color, the design of the world looks the same. Uh, the things that you collect, although they're different, but they're basically the same. The sound effects, really the same. The music, uh, very much the same. I mean, this is this is basically the next Banjo-Kazooie game. So if you are a fan of Banjo-Kazooie, I assume you probably have already heard of luka and you've probably backed it already, but just on the off chance that you haven't, this is a thing and it's coming soon and it looks like it's going to be fun. Um, I do think, though, that I... I was a little bit disappointed with the demo, and I hate to be such a, a Debbie Downer, but when I started playing it, it was really rough. Like, the the frame rate wasn't as smooth as I would have wanted, and the jumping felt a little hitchy, and that's something that you really got to nail in a, in a 3D platformer. You really got to get the jumping down. You really want to get the feel down. Like, it's very important that it feels good. I mean, I would almost rather they skimp on the graphics and get the feel down rather than have it look good and not feel quite right. But again, this is just a really early pre-release demo. I'm hoping that they're going to get that uh, all polished off by the time the final ships, which I think is coming out either this month or next month. It's very, very soon. So I'm looking forward to it. Like I said, uh, when I was talking about Snake Pass, I'm really in the mood for a colorful platformer, something fun, something low stakes. This looks like it's going to fit the bill. Uh, I'm down. I'm down for it. I I will say one more thing, though. I have always hated the music in Banjo-Kazooie. Like for some reason, I just find it repulsive. I just don't like it at all. And I think the guy who did that music is doing the music for ukulele as well. So when I was playing the demo, I was like, oh God, it's that fucking music again. (laughs) I can't stand it. And it sounds crazy, but like it hurts my stomach. I listen to this music and I I just feel like ill. I just don't like it at all. I don't know if it's subliminal or it's just like a really adverse reaction I'm having or what, but like when I hear this fucking music, I'm like, oh God don't like it but otherwise it looks really fun looks good are you uh are you in the market for a platformer these days Corey? how are you how are you towards platformers i know you do a lot of of like walking sims and spooky games and stuff but what about what about a colorful platformer how would that strike you i am totally
1: not in the market for this the last colorful well the last i mean if i'm being honest the last colorful platformer i played was candleman which i loved but um I, I'm i just not really interested in this. It's very... Um, maybe, like, I don't know, like, 10-year-old Nintendo 64 me would have liked this game, but... I, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a man's man. I can't be playing any of these colorful, (laughs) colorful platforming games. They're just (laughs) way too lame for me. (laughs) No, I mean, it's probably like, I I want it to be good and I want people to enjoy it. But I, these games, I'm
0: just not really interested in at all. So I will probably never play it. No worries. That is fair. That is totally fair. Not every game is right for every person. We are living proof of that right here on the show. So not a problem. But anyway, Um, Just heads up to people that ukulele is coming soon. It looks pretty good. If you liked Banjo-Kazooie, I I guarantee you're going to like this because it's fucking the same thing. So if you want more of that, and I know that Microsoft's not going to give it to you, you might as well hop aboard, play Tonic's new release, and uh, see how that fits you. Well, I would Um, would be
1: careful guaranteeing that because remember what happened with Mighty Number 9? It was supposed to be just another Mega Man copy, but uh, look what happened
0: there. Yeah. Okay. That's true. That's true. Sometimes that doesn't plan out. Sometimes that does not happen. So, okay at least you know it's coming. It's very similar. Maybe be aware of it. Maybe rent it first. Maybe, you know, cautiously explore it. But <laughs> a lot of the same DNA there. A lot, a lot, a lot of the same DNA. Like this is, I mean, in, in all, for all intents and purposes, this is the next Banjo-Kazooie. So um, one more quick game before we get into our movie talk. I just wanted to talk really briefly about Zombie Vikings for PS4. Have you heard of or played Zombie Vikings?
1: I have never heard of this, but it actually sounds kind of intriguing. Tell me about it.
0: Do not be intrigued. Oh, damn it. Um, <laughs> People listening to the show are probably like, what the fuck? These guys <laughs> never talk about any fucking good games. Why do they talk about Why do they even have a podcast? What's wrong with these fuckers? And, you know, I agree. I agree. We got to start talking about some good games, man. Um, Zombie Vikings is put out by, I want to say it's by Zoink, which is a development studio from... I don't know exactly where the Netherlands or Sweden or somewhere over in that part of the world. I apologize, guys. I don't know where you're from exactly. They put out um, another game on PS4 called Stick It to the Man. Have you heard of that one? No, but that sounds good, too. OK, so Stick It to the Man actually was really cool. I really like Stick It to the Man a lot. That one is kind of a quasi-platformer, but it was actually more of a point-and-click where you had an alien trapped inside your skull and you could use it to read people's minds. And so you had to go around and solve people's problems by, by cluing in on their thoughts. And then you had to find these things that they needed. And, you know, basically a point and click with a little bit of more action to it. And the sense of humor was great. I really like the writing that these guys do. It's really funny. Uh, I often laugh um, whenever they, they do their dialogue. It's really dark sometimes and very blunt at times, kind of surprisingly so. So I really like Stick It to the Man a lot. That was a really good game that like nobody played. Nobody knows about it. Nobody spent time with it. That game deserved more props than it got, especially if you're a fan of like LucasArts or Double Fine or any of those type of games. Like if you like those kind of games, this is totally up your alley. Like check out Stick It to the Man. So I like that game a lot. And that's what brought me to Zombie Vikings. This is their next game. And it's got the same kind of visual style. It's got the same sort of writing, hilarious writing. I think it's very funny but this is actually a side-scrolling hack and slash game. And I don't think it's nearly as fun to play. I'm kind of bummed because hack and slash in general, I find to be pretty boring. I mean, there's very few examples, which I think are really worth playing, but I got this for my son. He wanted to play it. So we picked up a copy on the cheap. We sat down together. You can do up to four players together. Multiplayer doesn't make it better. It's still really boring, but you just, you know, you're you're a group of zombie Vikings. You're trying to recover Odin's lost eyeball. It doesn't really matter. The story doesn't really make, you know, it's not really that great. But the incidental dialogue, I think, is really funny. Uh, the cutscenes always crack me up. I think they're very witty, but actually playing the game, really boring. It's just, you know, it's just like what you expect. You, you mash the attack button a lot. Every different character has a special power and they're all just kind of like, okay, whatever. Like they're like an area clear or a ground pound or something like that. Nothing special. You know, you get some money, you buy some new swords or whatever. It's, you know, it's it's dull. It's really dull. It's really boring. Um, There's nothing really to recommend it. Nothing really to talk about even. But it's a shame because I think that the writing is really crisp and fun and I enjoy the cutscenes a lot and I wish I liked the game better. Uh, But I don't. I will probably play through the rest of it with my son because he was having an okay time. Also, he is seven. And, (laughs) uh, you know, I'll just, I'll enjoy the cutscenes. I'll play it once and I will never touch it again. And I hope that these guys get back to their strength, which is probably something more close to a point and click adventure. I felt like Stick It to the Man was really strong and really fun. I feel like if they get back to that, they will be um, back in the right lane. I mean, maybe they changed because stick it to the man didn't go anywhere. So maybe they felt like they were, they were barking up the wrong tree, but I think this was not a smart move. This is not where they are strong. This is not the kind of gameplay that's going to sell these days. It's it's just not fun. Um, so I wish that they would go back to something a little uh, more cerebral and yeah, zombie Vikings. I can't really recommend it, but I do recommend stick it to the man for sure.
1: But is it, is it at least like easy and casual to play or is it hard?
0: Uh, yeah, I will say for that it is pretty easy. I mean, we haven't uh, died very much. It's not one of those ones where you're just you're killing yourself to get through it. Like it's pretty casual. Um, you know, if your teammates die, you can revive them real quick. It's no big deal. Most of the bosses are fairly easy. I mean, I think we died. I mean, I think I died once, but my son revived me. He died once, I revived him, and we're about halfway through the game. So I think one death apiece and getting halfway through the game is pretty good. So it's it's pretty easy. So you can blast through it. I mean, if you have even a, a bit of skill you can certainly, you know, have no problem uh, finishing it. But yeah, I mean, show up for the dialogue, if anything, but don't come to it because you want a meaty, meaty gameplay experience. I mean, if you want a hack and slash, I would certainly recommend like Dragon's Crown over something like this. Um, but, you know, if you want to laugh, it'll it'll give you some laughs. Is there any significance to the fact that they are zombies? Uh, not really. I mean, in the beginning, it's just like a story contrivance where Odin's eyeball gets stolen and he needs somebody to get the eyeball back for him. And so he goes to this graveyard of dead warriors and he resurrects these people. That's it. I mean, it's. They, I don't know why they're zombies, especially. I mean, they could have been anything. They could have been regular warriors. They could have been robots. They could have been anything. So yeah, it's not really that relevant. I guess they thought zombies were funny, I suppose.
1: Well, I mean, if you want a game to succeed, you have to put zombies in it. That's like video games 101. Proven fact. Proven fact. So... <laughs>
0: Anyway, check out Stick It to the Man. Maybe don't check out Zombie Vikings. And I think this is going to be the end of our game's chatter. Uh, For those people listening, we are just about to dive into our movie talk. And remember, as we said at the top of the show, we will very likely be spoiling some things. Maybe minor, maybe major. I don't know. But if you don't want to be spoiled on Ghost in the Shell or Get Out, um, go ahead and bail now. Uh, I will also briefly talk about Yoga Hosers and Deathgasm, but I don't think anybody probably cares about those movies. So I... you're worried about being spoiled on those i mean okay anyway um if you are leaving because you don't want to be spoiled we just want to remind you that you can send us your comments thoughts feedback ideas anything else you'd like to at so video at gmail.com we are also on twitter as a collective show at so video games and you can also reach us individually Corey, what's your twitter handle sir
1: uh, it might be hard to believe, but my Twitter handle is actually my first and my last name put together, which is Corey Motley. It is spelled out C-O-R-E-Y-M-O-T-L-E-Y. You're right. I don't believe it. How'd you come up with that? Uh, you know, I opened Twitter and put my first and last name in, and miraculously,
0: it was available. So here we are. Cool story, bro. Cool story. Yep. As for me, my Twitter handle is my name as well, at Brad Galloway, all A's, no O's. And I think that's it for the game-related part of the show. If you don't want to be spoiled, um, go ahead and stop listening now, and we'll see you next week. If you want to hear our movie chat or you don't mind being spoiled, then here we go. Our movie talk begins now. Corey, Ghost in the Shell, I know you were excited. I know you're looking forward to it. I know you like some ScarJo. I know you were kind of watching some of the anime to get ready for this, and now you have seen the actual film, correct? Yes? That is correct. I saw it literally
1: the first chance I could get, which was at seven PM on Thursday night at an
0: IMAX three D showing here in New Orleans. So Damn. Yeah. Damn. You went for it, sir. Now that you've seen it, now that you've lived it, now that you have been subjected to it, how was it?
1: It was okay, so first of all, I, I feel like what I'm gonna say about this is similar to what you said about um Iron Fist like last week or a couple weeks ago. This movie is not as bad as everybody is saying it is. I know everybody on Twitter uh, and on social media is just happy to rip this movie apart. It is not a great movie by any stretch of the imagination, but it is not bad either. It is a perfectly competent sci-fi action movie, Um, probably better for people if you don't know what Ghost in the Shell is, which is kind of sad because I've been watching so much Ghost in the Shell anime to work up to this, and I actually just published a big, fat, like, 3,400-word overview of Ghost in the Shell, and with, like, uh, impressions and sort of, like, a review of the movie, the new live-action movie on my blog, too, so I'm, like, really, um I don't know, I'm, like, like, 90% of my brain capacity is taken up by Ghost in the Shell right now. But basically, okay, so... God, I don't even know where to start with this movie. It, it is good. It is it does not adhere very well to like any currently existing storyline from the Ghost in the Shell universe which is both a strength and a weakness because it doesn't it's good for new people to get into and it's good to get people into the universe itself and it doesn't really like adhere to a whole lot um because in the original anime it was all about uh the the lead character her name is uh, Major Motoko Kusanagi She is a cyborg woman with a human brain implanted in her. She leads a uh, public security task force called Section Nine, that is like sort of like a black ops government um, in Japan, like a task force. There is a a computer hacker um, called the Puppet Master, who is like infiltrating shit, and it's sort of like their job to go after him and to try to figure out what's going on. And partway through the investigation, they find another android. That is like the puppet master is like in that that android's uh, shell, like his ghost is in the shell, (laughs) and um, and sort of like shit unravels, and uh, he, the puppet master and major end up being kind of like, um, like the same sort of like the same capacity of cybernetic, and they both sort of like he like takes her into his ghost and they, like, live in the net together. I don't know. It's very hard to explain. It's very philosophical. Um, It's very Japanese philosophical in the sense that this movie is, like, super Japan-centric, and there's, like, a ton of stuff that flew over my head the first time I saw it. Probably even more stuff flew over my head the second time I saw it. But the live-action movie is more about Scarlett Johansson. She is the shell, She uh, was in some kind of terror attack, and they couldn't, they they were able to save her brain from her body and they implanted it in the shell. And she is sort of like developed as a weapon for this governmental technology company called Henka. And she leads uh, Section 9 in the movie as well. And instead of going after the puppet master, they're going after a man named Kuze, who's like a criminal hacker. And Kuze is actually. A character from the tv series of Ghost in the Shell but I don't even they basically only named him to in the movie to name drop him because he's not very similar to Kuze in the series like in any way shape or form um, but the movie is more about her like Scarlett Johansson's version of the major like sort of like self-discovery and figuring out who she is and figuring out if who uh the Henka like scientists tell her she is if that's really who she is or if she's being brainwashed or whatever And so it's like, it's sort of like an android coming of age story with like action and stuff. And it's not, I mean, it's not nearly as philosophical as the anime. It doesn't really ask as many questions. The script is not very good. Um, It's, the script is very disappointing. But I mean, it looks great. The movie looks fantastic. Um, The action in it is like, like half of it's really good and then half of it's really bad. And it sort of just exists as like an homage to the whole universe of Ghost in the Shell, which sounds like a good thing. but I think the fact that the story in the movie is so mediocre and so done to death that it like doesn't really stand up that well on its own. because there are several segments from um, the Ghost in the Shell movie, uh, the anime movie, the anime movie sequel, the TV series, the, the prequel TV series. like it takes and like directly lifts a lot of things from those and put them in the, and puts them in the movie. But it sort of, like, works to its detriment because it feels like it's trying really hard to be a part of the Ghost in the Shell universe, but its story just isn't there enough to, like, really make it feel like it's actually part of the universe. Like, it's just... I don't know. It's not bad. It's just super mediocre. And, not, I mean, I don't know. It, it. I was expecting it. I was very excited about it, but I, I didn't think it was going to be, like super amazing. But the thing that I do like about it is that it gave me an excuse to write a lot about the movie, and that's what I did. So uh I don't know what else to say. Do you have any questions or anything?
0: No, man, I don't think so. I mean, not to be that guy, but like I kind of felt like I knew what was up with this movie from just the first trailer, and I kind of knew like it wasn't going to be my thing. I mean, I, I remember Ghost in the Shell from back in the day. I think I've seen the, the original anime like once. And I, you know, read a couple of the uh, comics here and there, but I was never, I was never really a ghost in the shell guy. Um, so I didn't really have a lot of attachment to it, but just looking at it, I just, I just, I just watched the trailer and I'm like, man, this just doesn't, it's not grabbing me. You know, like I like sci-fi, I like, um, you know, future fantasy kind of stuff, technology, whatever. Like that's generally my jam, but I just, just wasn't feeling it with this one. And, uh, nothing you're saying is really like winning me over. Like, I don't even think I would even rent this like at home on like my Apple TV or anything. I probably would just be like, nah, move on. So nah, I'm good. I think I, uh, I think I'll just give one a pass.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I think it's worth watching, but it's not, I mean, it's not great. It's just, it's just all right. Like it's an all right movie. It looks fantastic. The acting is fine and it. But just the story is pretty flimsy and uh, like the movie directly addresses the whitewashing controversy, which I thought they were just gonna sweep under the rug for the whole thing. And that is sort of like what really surprised me about it. And uh like I don't wanna like super spoil it, but like they very No no no, spoil it. We're in the spoiler section.
0: I'm not I'm not gonna see this movie and I heard that people said just like what you said, they were surprised they addressed the whitewashing. So what happened? This is We, we have already got the spoiler warning up. Just spoil me, bro, because right, I'm never going to see right. this movie. So the whole movie is working
1: toward the major discovering who she is. And something that they did not say at all during any of the marketing, because they, they made it very obvious early on in the marketing that they were not going to name Scarlett Johansson, Motoko Kusanagi, obviously because... She does not look Asian in any way, shape, or form. She's not Asian, so that would have been just, like... I mean, it's its bad enough that they cast a white woman in, like, a Japanese role, but, um, you know, so they, they were just calling her the major for the movie, which I'm okay with. I mean, you know, it's whatever, like... But what happens in the movie is... They actually, first of all, they rename her. They give her a new name. Her name is Mira Killian. So they keep the MK initials, but they give her an American name, and that's something that they did not say at all before the movie came out because if they had, um, you know, people would have been even more mad because they gave her a Western name and all that. But it turns out that what the entire movie is working toward and what the twist of the movie is, and this has nothing to do with anything in the Ghost in the Shell universe before. This is, like, solely this movie's thing – is that before like Scarlett Johansson's version of The Major, she finds out toward the end of the movie that before her brain was implanted in the new shell, she actually was Motoko Kusanagi, a, an Asian woman living in sort of like this slummy area of, of Japan. And the Henka uh, people were taking these refugees sort of like out of this area and they were kidnapping them and running experiments on them. And whenever they successfully implant their brains into a cybernetic body, they brainwash the brain. So that way, you know, they don't remember anything because they're making these people as weapons, basically as task force operatives. So it turns out that she literally was supposed to be an Asian woman. They took the Asian woman's brain, Motoko Kusanagi's brain, out of her, brainwashed it, and then put it into the shell of Scarlett Johansson, like, who very much looks like a white woman. And and that's sort of, like, the big twist of the movie is that she finds out that, like, oh, I was this person named Kusanagi, and now I'm this person named Mira and this new shell, and and that's sort of like the big the big thing, which I think is like really stupid. But what I what I will say to its defense is that th- there is a possibility that a very fascinating movie could exist that really explores the depths of like how how that would be like how you would take a a Japanese woman's brain, put it into a Caucasian looking body and explore sort of like the depths of humanity and sort of like Western body and beauty standards and and sort of how she would navigate society when she has like an Asian background and now all of a sudden she looks white. But this movie obviously was never going to do that because that's not like sort of what this movie was aiming for. And also I don't think the producers or the director or the writers had the sophistication to do it. But I mean, that could be a jumping off point for the sequels in the future, but I doubt they will ever make another another one of these Um But there's like, that is a fascinating premise in and of itself, but this movie is not nearly sophisticated enough to actually explore that.
0: Interesting. Interesting. I'm thinking of several things that I want to say, but I actually am not going to say those because um, I don't want to spoil you on something else that we might talk about at a future date. So I'm going to hold (laughs) off on that. But that is very interesting. And I I don't know that I would have guessed that. And I'm not sure that I care, but thank you for sharing that spoiler with me. And now I can Rest easy, never having to watch that movie. And now that I know what's up with it, so I'm gonna save that five bucks and spend it on something else. Um. So overall, just overall, wrapping up did you Did you like it? Did you, Did it meet your expectations? Were you happy you went? I mean, what, what was your wrap up? What's your takeaway?
1: I liked it, and I'm glad that I saw it in a the theater. I'm glad I saw it in. Like, I'm not. I don't care about 3D that much, but I'm glad I saw it in IMAX because I mean, any movie I can see in IMAX is great. Um. But uh, I'm glad I saw it. I'm glad I experienced it. I'm glad I got to write about it. It was not as good as I was hoping it would be, but I'm still, I still recommend it, uh, hesitantly recommend it. And I still, um, think, I I don't know. I'm so glad I saw it. I don't think it's awful. I don't think it's bad. I don't even think it's bad. Even it is like mediocre to good in my like scale of movie dumb, I guess.
0: Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Um, all right. I, I had like three movies to talk about, but I'm looking at the clock right now and we are kind of running out of time, pretty hardcore. I'm just going to, I'm going to keep two of those off for the future, and I will just talk about Get Out for now. Uh, Before I talk about it, now, Corey, I know you're a horror fan. Um, You said earlier off the air that you were going to see this. How much of this, how much do you know about it, and how much do you want me to spoil? Well,
1: I know that the premise of it is that uh, the lead actor, whose name is Daniel Kaluuya, I think, uh, he is a black man dating uh, Allison Williams, who is a white woman. And he, it, the whole premise of the movie is, doesn't he like go to visit her family for the first time or something? And it turns out that they live on like a plantation home and they're like hypnotizing black people or something
0: like that. Isn't that what it is? Okay, so you know you know a lot already. Like You know from the get-go, a huge chunk of the movie right there. So um, there's, there's like another little small twist. I'm gonna, I'll leave that part out because it's not really super relevant. Uh, but yeah, you've summed it up pretty well. Get Out is basically... It's made by, um, what is that guy's name? Jordan Peele Peele. from Key and Peele. Uh, comedian and actor, uh, really funny guy. I enjoy his work. So this is his first film, I believe. And yeah, like you said, it's about a black guy dating a white girl and she wants to bring him home to her family to meet them for the first time. He's a little bit hesitant about it, but he really loves her. And he's like, okay, that's fine. You know, we'll just power through. It'll suck and it'll be awkward, but that's fine. We'll just, we'll just get it over with. So they go And the parents live like really super far out in the woods, um, you know, wherever And their house is like enormous. And they like the dad's like a doctor and the mom's like a psychiatrist. And they're obviously rich. And uh, they have some black servants uh, at their house. And so he shows up and they, you know, it's like just like a family get together. And then also it just so happens that that weekend, they're also having like this other big family event. Like the daughter is like, oh, my God, I totally forgot. This is the weekend that we have the big get together oh, I'm so sorry. I forgot. And the mom and dad are like, how would you forget? We have it every year. This is the the big event. But anyway, now you're here and then everybody else is going to be here and we're all just going to have a good weekend. It's going to be fun. Um, as you can suppose, this is a horror movie, so things don't turn out to be fun for anybody. Um, I don't want to spoil the entire thing since you haven't seen it and since you are going to see it and you should see it. I think it's really good. But I think the I mean, in terms of like being a horror film, I thought it was good. Uh, I am not like a horror maven, like I'm not an expert in horror films, although I, do, I have seen quite a few horror films and I do enjoy the horror genre, so I'm no stranger to it. I mean, I'm, I'm no Mike Bracken. I'm no Corey Motley maybe, but I, I do watch horror. Uh, so as far as being a straight up horror film goes, I thought it was pretty good. Um, maybe a little tiny bit slow, but it paid off in the end. So I thought oh, that was good. And in terms of, you know, everybody that's, that's seen this movie has been talking about the racial factor. It's kind of like the elephant in the room. And I think that it was addressed pretty well. Um, it, well it, so two things to say about it. First of all, it's pretty rare, at least for me, that you see a horror film divided among racial lines. Like I, I'm trying to think of another movie where every white person was a bad person and every black person was a good person. I can't think of any. There may be one. I don't know. I'm not a movie expert, but that's kind of what happens in this movie. And I thought it was really um, interesting because a lot of the things that happen are shown from the perspective of a black person. Like in the beginning, one of the most powerful scenes I think is at the very start of the movie where there's um, a black guy walking in an obviously like white neighborhood and he's nervous. He's trying to find somebody's house and it's like late at night and he's talking to somebody on the phone and he's like, Oh my God, I'm real nervous about being in this neighborhood, you know? So I don't want anybody to come mess with me because I, I really feel like I stick out in this neighborhood. And I'm sure that that's an experience that's been had by many black people. I mean, I'm sure that's a very common thing. So it was cool to see that perspective given on the screen. And there were other instances where, um, like, the white people would say, like, really fucking stupid stuff, like, really dumb stuff to the black guy. And it was obviously, like, you guys are idiots. And I'm assuming that this is all stuff that's probably happened to the director. Maybe it's happened to his friends. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to hear that every single stupid thing a white person said probably was something that somebody had said to him in real life. Like, that wouldn't surprise me at all. So seeing those things put up on the screen in a prominent way was really good and interesting and I I feel like it was cool. Um, on the other hand, I have heard some people say that like when they saw this movie like it made them want to be like a better person or like they f- somehow got woke from seeing this movie. Um, if I may use the vernacular. I don't know about that for me. I don't know about that for me because honestly when these white people were on screen I was like y'all is this fucked up. You white people are weird and you're crazy and I don't I don't identify with you and I am not like you. So that didn't really reach me on that level. Um, I feel like I'm still kind of the same person that I was before I saw the movie, even though I enjoyed it and, and all that, but I did appreciate the perspective and I think it was a good horror film. Um, you know, I mean, I gotta be honest, I predicted most of what happened like way before it happened. So it's not like a lot of it was a surprise. There's one little twist at the end, but in general, I thought it was pretty predictable, although that still didn't, uh, I mean, I, I still enjoyed it. It didn't ruin it for me. Uh, and, uh, there's one performance given by this other guy. He's a comedian. I forget his name right now, but he's actually pretty funny in it too. So he was, he was a, a good addition to the film, but overall really liked it. Um, I think it's very good. I think it's definitely worthy of, of going to see if you're a horror fan and, um, very interested to see more horror or just other films made from different perspectives, you know, like just having that aspect added to it really did give it some good flavor. So yeah, I liked it. I thought it was pretty good. That's good to hear. I listen to,
1: on my drive down to uh, New Orleans, I listen to, sometimes I listen to the Nerdist podcast, and uh, Jordan Peele is actually on the Nerdist podcast, so even though I haven't seen the movie, I got to listen to him, like, talk about it with Chris Hardwick, and just kind of, I don't know, talk about the influences that went into it, and sort of, like, his experiences and stuff, so that was pretty neat to listen to.
0: Oh, right on. I bet that would be a pretty interesting discussion. I have did some reading about it and seeing some of the influences and some of the ideas he had, and that was pretty cool. So hopefully this will open the door uh, to more people like him to make uh, other similar films and we can get uh, more variety. I mean, I think it's uh, no secret that not everybody in America is a white male. So I think it's totally fine to have films that um, offer different heroes, different protagonists, different perspectives. And uh, yeah, good for Jordan Peele for getting this made. I mean, it's been a huge success. I think he you know, uh, I think it costs like 5 million to make. And he made, I don't even know how much now, but I mean, clearly like a raging success. So good for him. And uh, yeah, it was thumbs up. Um, It kind of put me in the mood to watch more horror. I haven't seen anything yet, but I think I may, I may watch some more stuff. Have you seen, um, really quickly before we wrap up, have you seen Train to Busan?
1: I don't. Is that, hold on, hold on. Is that the Korean zombie movie? Yeah, have you seen it? I have not, but I'm actually surprised that I just remembered what that was. I've heard a tiny, tiny bit about it, but I've not seen it.
0: Okay, that one I, I've been hearing uh, has been doing really well. Everybody I've talked to who've seen it has raved about that one as well. So I'm gonna try to find something that people really like and see if I like it as well. That one, I think, is on Netflix for free, and I'm gonna try to catch that one really soon. I may talk about it next week if I find the time, but uh, yeah, I think that I think that Get Out has kind of put me in a little horror zone, so maybe I'll watch some more and we'll, we'll report back later on, so... Anyway, folks, uh, that I think is going to do it for this week's episode. Thank you very much for listening to the main show. Thank you very much for listening to our little movie spoiler cast here. And I think we covered everything else in the show. Anything you want to say before we wrap up, Corey? Um, not that I can think of, I don't think. That is a no from Corey. I think we're <laughs> going to wrap the show then. Once again, thanks for listening. Send us your thoughts, feedback, anything else you'd like to. And at this point, this is bye from Brad. And bye from Corey. We will see you guys next week.